Welcome to Color Me Green, a podcast focused on making the world a greener place. Welcome to episode 30 of Color Me Green. 30 episodes may not seem like a lot, but it's another milestone to celebrate and I love any reason to celebrate. And to celebrate this milestone, I'm happy to announce that I am slowly working on a podcast website so everything is in one place. You can listen to all episodes there, even the YouTube versions. You can find merch one day, ask questions, send topic and guest recommendations, and even support the show, which I am coming up with some really fun ideas for like monthly subscriptions, including extra content, discounts at my favorite sustainable shops, my favorite items, exclusive merch, and early episode access. Like I mentioned in the first episode of the year, big things are coming and I am so excited. So for today's episode, we are going to be discussing geoengineering. Geoengineering is the large-scale manipulation of the atmosphere in order to affect the climate in a way that limits or reverses some of the effects of global warming. It also often refers to the various technologies that are being developed for this purpose, often called negative emission technologies. Geoengineering solutions are typically discussed as supplemental methods to combat climate change as they would work alongside other global efforts of reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Just like every other method of removing or reducing emissions, we have to remember to consider multiple options and not just stick to one because each source has its own unknowns and risks associated with them. Geoengineering has actually been around, surprisingly, since the mid-1800s. In 1841, American meteorologist James Pollard Espy published The Philosophy of Storms, in which he laid out his thermal theory of storm formation and details about a method through which rain may be produced artificially in times of drought. He also argued that setting great fires would make it possible to generate precipitation on command. Then in 1896, a Swedish chemist investigated the impact of raising carbon dioxide levels on global temperature. He is the first scientist to calculate how doubling the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere would affect the climate. His conclusion was that the Earth's temperature would increase by roughly 9 degrees Fahrenheit which led him to suggest in 1908 that by increasing the amount of carbonic acid in the atmosphere, we may hope to enjoy ages with more equitable and better climates. And in 1932, the Soviet Union established the Institute of Rainmaking in Leningrad, which set the stage for decades of experimentation with cloud seeding as a means of altering the weather. Cloud seeding is a process that attempts to bring rain to parched farmland by dispersing particles of silver iodide or solid carbon dioxide into rain-bearing clouds. It's also been used in attempts to weaken tropical storms. The U.S. military even suggested that nuclear weapons might be used as tools to alter regional climates and make certain areas of the world more favorable for human habitation, a proposal that was never tested. Now that we have a little history and background, we are going to get into the main two approaches of geoengineering methods and their multiple proposal options. The first approach proposes the use of technologies that would increase the reflectance of incoming solar radiation, thus reducing the heating effect of sunlight on the Earth's surface 
and lower atmosphere. This approach might offset the rising temperatures by reflecting sunlight back into space, but it would do nothing for the rising amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. That brings us to the second approach, which proposes the removal of CO2 from the air and storing it in areas where it cannot interact with the Earth's atmosphere. This approach not only helps with rising temperatures, but also rising carbon dioxide levels, making this the more appealing option of the two. Each of these two approaches has multiple proposals that are intended to aid in either solar reflection or CO2 capture and storage. Before we get into these proposals, it's important to remember that geoengineering aims to modify the global climate, a practice that has not yet been fully understood or tested and cannot be done without risk. Several studies recommend that thorough testing should follow the implementation of any geoengineering proposal so any unintended consequences can be avoided. I'm going to go over a few proposals in the solar approach before moving on to the carbon approach. Our first solar proposal focuses on raising ground-level albedo, often called surface albedo modification, which is the theoretical solar technique that aims to reflect more sunlight back into space by enhancing Earth albedo, the sunlight reflected off of the Earth's surface. Albedo refers to how much solar radiation is reflected by a surface. A surface like polar ice sheets, which are melting, with high albedo means most solar radiation is reflected. A surface with a low albedo, like a dark ocean surface, which are rising due to the melting in those polar ice caps, reflects only a small portion and absorbs most of the solar radiation in the form of heat, which contributes to the warming of the surrounding area. Proposal options span from growing crops that reflect more light to the clearing of boreal forests in snow-covered areas and from covering large desert or ice areas with reflective materials to whitening mountaintops and roofs with white paint. Yes, let's paint mountains. That totally makes sense. Creating large surfaces with higher albedo could increase the amount of solar radiation reflected from the Earth's surface and could therefore reduce the temperature of the atmosphere because surfaces would be absorbing less solar energy. This proposal, however, would not reduce the amount of greenhouse gas in the atmosphere, which would only continue to increase. The next proposal we have is stratospheric aerosol injection, which proposes spraying large quantities of tiny reflective particles into the stratosphere, an upper layer of the Earth's atmosphere, in order to cool the planet by reflecting sunlight back into space. A few particles that are proposed being sulfur dioxides, finely powdered salt or calcium carbonate, and shooting these from artillery guns or using large hoses to reach the sky. This proposal, again, doesn't address the underlying issues of climate change and instead aims to control the amount of solar radiation by imitating these sulfur-rich dust clouds that remain in the atmosphere after large volcanic eruptions. Even with continuous maintenance, Computer simulations have suggested that this proposal would likely cause droughts in Africa and Asia and contaminate food and water sources. Next, we have the proposal of orbital mirrors and sunshades, which involves the placement of several million reflective objects beyond Earth's atmosphere. It's proposed that the concentrated clusters of these objects could potentially redirect or block a percentage of incoming solar radiation. These objects would be launched by rockets and positioned at a stable point between the Earth and the Sun. 
This proposal is very similar to both of the last proposals. However, this would be done in space, allowing for less radiation to pass through the atmosphere, and instead it would stay in space and never reach ground level. The last solar proposal of cloud whitening or cloud brightening is similar to the Soviet Union proposal of cloud seeding that I mentioned earlier. Cloud whitening proposes placing spraying devices on land and mounting them on ocean vessels. These devices would expel a mist of pressurized seawater droplets and dissolved salts to altitudes up to 1,000 feet. These droplets would evaporate, and it's believed that the bright salt crystals would remain to reflect solar radiation. After the crystals would react as a condensation nuclei and form new water droplets, which would increase overall cloud coverage, which again reflects more incoming solar radiation into space. Now we are going to cover four carbon removal proposals. The first being the proposal of ocean iron fertilization, which aims to increase the intake of CO2 from the air by phytoplankton, which are microscopic plants that reside at or near the surface of the ocean. The idea is that the phytoplankton would eventually die and sink to the ocean floor, taking the CO2 that they photosynthesized with them. Some of the material that would sink would return to the surface through the process of upwelling, which is a process in which currents bring deep cold water to the surface of the ocean as a result of winds and the rotation of the earth. It is thought that even after upwelling, a small but significant amount of the carbon would remain and become stored on the ocean floor, eventually turning into sedimentary rock. This proposal would involve dissolving iron or nitrates into the surface water of specific ocean regions to promote the growth of phytoplankton where primary productivity is low. For this to be effective, it would take a ton of ships covering most of the ocean, and to maintain this, it would take decades to begin or see any results. The second carbon proposal on our list is carbon burial, which is often referred to as carbon capture, utilization, and storage. If you listened to episode number 8 where we discussed Orca, the Icelandic carbon capturing plant, this is pretty much what that process is, and if it's not exactly this one, I'm also going to talk about another one that's also very similar, so it's pretty much the same idea. This involves the pumping of pressurized CO2 into suitable geological structures with gas-tight upper layers to cap the buried carbon and are located deep underground or in deep parts of the ocean. The idea is that the CO2 generated from the combustion of fossil fuels would be separated from other industrial emissions before they are released into the atmosphere. The CO2 would then be pumped through pipes into geological formations and then stored for extended periods of time. This process would require the identification of suitable sites followed by leak testing of each individual site. Injections of compressed CO2 have been used to aid in the extraction of natural gas, and the United States Department of Energy has funded the construction of several carbon storage sites. In 2019, about 54 million tons of carbon dioxide were injected into the ground in the U.S. And while this number is huge and a great effort, we would need a lot more plants to be able to extract the 33 billion tons of carbon dioxide that the U.S. emitted in 2019. The next proposal we have is biochar production. 
Biochar is a type of charcoal made from animal wastes and plant residues, such as wood chips, leaves, and husks, that can remove carbon by avoiding the normal decomposition process or acting as a fertilizer to enhance the removal rate of growing biomass. As organic material decomposes, microbes normally break it down and use the oxygen and release CO2. If the material were heated or cooked, in the absence of oxygen, it would decompose rapidly through pyrolysis. This would result in little to no CO2 being released as it would instead harden into something similar to a porous charcoal, turning the carbon into a solid form. This bichar mixed with soils could serve as a fertilizer and therefore potentially increasing the carbon intake of plants growing in that soil. It seems like scientists are for this proposal, but seeing its ability to reduce CO2 on a global scale is up for debate. Our last proposal is direct air capture. This idea would involve the use of scrubbing towers, or what are called artificial trees. The scrubbing method would involve the air to be funneled into a large confined space within the towers by wind-driven turbines. As the air is taken in, it would be sprayed with one of several chemical compounds such as sodium hydroxide, potassium hydroxide, or calcium hydroxide. These compounds would react with the CO2 in the air to precipitate carbonate salts or react with the water to form weak acids. These byproducts would then be piped to permanent safe storage locations such as gaps between layers of rock. Since these acids react easily with basalt rocks to materialize into carbonate rocks, in only a few years, chemists and climate scientists believe that basalt formations, which occur around volcanic landscapes, could be useful storage locations. As far as artificial trees, these would most likely be a series of sticky resin-covered filters that would convert captured CO2 to a carbonate called soda ash. This soda ash would occasionally be washed off the filters and collected for storage. So far, several prototypes of each method have been built, but most scientists believe that thousands of scrubbing towers would be needed to combat the rising atmospheric carbon dioxide levels at a global scale. It's reported that even with drastic cuts in carbon dioxide emissions, more than 11 billion tons of carbon dioxide would need to be removed from the atmosphere each year to keep average temperature increases from global warming to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. So after going over both types of geoengineering and their proposals, do you have a proposal that you would like to see executed that you think could potentially do the Earth some good? I definitely think we discussed a few options that, if combined, could definitely be useful in doing at least something to help. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of Color Me Green. New episodes come out on Wednesdays, and hopefully each one has something you can take away and learn from. I currently have a ton of episodes planned, but if you want to request a certain topic to discuss, please feel free to message me on the show's Instagram at Color Me Green Podcast, linked in the show notes. If you love today's episode, please make sure to leave a review and let others know what you think of the show. One of the best ways to help change the world is to share this episode with a friend and let them also learn what they can do to live more sustainably. And as always, remember to reduce, reuse, recycle, and live green.